Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up on this edition, you will be hearing some material about building a Christ-centered marriage and working through struggles, some of which may have been rooted in childhood. Shelley Arnold brings to light some principles that can be useful for married couples. Also, Dale Sutherland is known as the undercover pastor, having worked as an undercover narcotics police officer in Washington, D.C. He now works to help those who are part of the criminal element in society experience the love and grace of Christ. His comments are ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection, as we enter the Lenten season, women's ministry leader Marion Jordan Ellis uses the imagery of a garden to provide insight into God's redemptive plan from the Garden of Eden to Gethsemane to a paradise in heaven. You can learn more ahead. Finally, Penny Nance of Concerned Women for America shares her perspective on the current state of the pro-life movement and brings words of hope for Christians engaging in the cause of life. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Shelley Arnold is devoted to offering biblically-based perspective on marriage and works of fiction and nonfiction. Recently on The Meeting House on Faith Radio, she shared about her fiction series, The Barn Church Series, as well as her nonfiction devotional book entitled Joined by God, Unconventional Devotions for Christian Couples. She has also written a free ebook called The Big Four Strategies, Change Your Marriage for the Better Today. From that Meeting House conversation, here now is Shelley Arnold. The first thing that I have found that God worked in me was, Shelley, to recognize that you are primarily responsible to me, not your husband. And that was very sobering for me. I really had to get an image and a picture and a perspective that my primary accountability in every part of my life, but especially my marriage, is to God. I will answer to God one day for how I treat my husband, for how I love my husband, for if the way I handled my portion of the marriage was handled righteously, and I don't mean with perfection, but with always pursuing improvement with God. Am I always letting God change me? Am I always letting God grow me in every way? Am I am I closer to him and more like him today than I was yesterday? And I would say that's the first thing, really recognizing that that my vision needs to be focused, my vision needs to be set on God and Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit. And I think the second thing that's really important for any marriage, whether you're struggling or whether you have a, a confined area of struggle, or if everything looks okay today, you know, and the hit's not coming until tomorrow and we just don't know it yet, is that the Holy Spirit is available to us. You know, before Jesus left, he told his disciples, I'm going to send the whole, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to teach you all things. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you things that you don't know straight from the Father, because I'm out of minutes. I have to go, and the Holy Spirit's going to be available to you to teach you how to live a heart, a life and heart after God. We have access to that. As married believers, we are never without an example. We are never alone and without, I, I call it an easy button. What's the easy button in marriage? Live like Jesus. Try to be like Jesus. What does righteousness dictate that I should do right now? 
And those two things for sure are guiding principles for me. Joined by God, the subtitle says that these are unconventional devotions. So what makes them so? Oh, I'm, I love that question, and I thank you for asking it. I really do. I call them unconventional because they're unlike any other devotion I have seen as far as they're not full of just quick, fluffy stories. I'm very transparent on the page about my own struggles and things that God has taught me and the mechanisms he's chosen to use to teach me really hard lessons. But also they're formatted in such a way they're a pretty quick read but they're, they're really focused on a particular scripture and truth, and they have instant tools for takeaway and application and then sharing that between a husband and wife. And the cool thing is, even if only one spouse uses this book, they can still interact with their mate with what they're learning. I know in my own marriage, my husband and I spent a very long season where our work schedules were completely opposite. It would have been practically impossible for us to sit down and do a devotional time together. A resource like this would have helped me so much because I would have been able to read the book even alone and still communicate with my husband about what I was learning. There are prompts in Joined by God that actually help that. We worked, like I said, opposite days and opposite shifts for a while. I worked weekends for seven and a half years. I missed church on Sundays for seven and a half years. God had me working weekends. That was a tough, tough season. So the format is, is unconventional. The prompts are unconventional. And just the general feel of the book as far as, like I said, not really fluffy stories, but a lot of Deep, deep takeaway. I wanted to put meat in these, so if somebody actually took the minutes to read them, it was beneficial. And then there's a quick connection for the weekend portion at the end of every week. And my vision for that was, like I said, even if only one spouse used the book, you stick it in, in the car with you when you go to church, and you can discuss it. There are prompts for discussion to just share with each other, you know, what spoke most to me this week in my readings, I really felt convicted of God about this, or I really think God is leading me to this, or I really found gratitude for this character of God. So it's easy to facilitate a lot of closeness and spiritual connection and communication using this book. Shelly Arnold here on the Intersection Podcast. You can find her online at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-I-E, Arnold.com. Well, next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Dale Sutherland. He is known as the undercover pastor, having worked as an undercover narcotics officer in the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C. In our recent conversation, he shared about his desire to encourage Christian believers and promote relationships between community members and law enforcement through the Code 3 Association, of which he is president and founder. Here now from that Meeting House conversation is Dale Sutherland. As a uh, pastor and as a retired policeman, uh, we started uh, something back in 2015 called Code 3 Association, and it was to try to bridge a gap between the police and the community more after the Ferguson uh, uh, riots and, and, and all that happened there. And uh, through that, we've been able to do a lot of ministry. We started also a uh, 
website and a ministry called Undercover Pastor, where we give uh, short devotionals, one minute or 30 seconds of encouragement from the police and pastor perspective. Um, but our goal is anyway to uh, make as much impact as we can on kids and families in the District of Columbia is our is our most of our focus. And you spent 22 years as an undercover mm-hmm. officer in D.C., then went into the ministry. Well, I, I guess I could say probably more accurately that you were doing ministry work while still an undercover yeah. officer. But tell me just a bit about the type of work as a, a law enforcement officer that you were doing. So I was I was recruited to do some undercover work in 1988, and uh, and I ended up uh, trying it. I was I had just been out of Bible college. I was planning to only be a policeman two years, and then I was going to go into ministry. But I decided I want to get a little bit of exposure to uh, urban life so that I could maybe be a better pastor to kids struggling, uh, at-risk kids in an urban scenario. So I got in there uh, for two years, got recruited to do some undercover work, street buys, that kind of thing, um, and. Uh, and ended up uh, really loving it, frankly, and uh, stayed from 1988 till 2013. And most of that time was undercover about uh, a good solid 22 years of the 26 years I was at least actively involved as an undercover officer. Went to homicide and some other things in there, but uh, that was most of my time. So how is it that your, I guess you could say like this, how your faith was really challenged? I mean, you're dealing with, as we would say, the critical element, your you're buying and selling drugs. You mentioned also you spent some time in homicide. I mean, you really have a bird's eye view into some of the darkness in our society today. What did you find to be most challenging about that work as a believer in Christ? Well, first thing is um, you see the Bible is true because you see the scriptures that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you see the clarity of the danger of sin. Um, you know, uh, scripture, uh, I like at first John, he says his commands are not burdensome. They're not there to, to hurt people. They're there. You watch people destroy their lives and destroy through drugs or immorality or other bad choices. And through that, I get to actually see the Bible amplified, see violence, you know, when scripture warns so much, uh, to, to, to not be, um, well, from Ten Commandments on, uh, the, the violence is a, all these things are like played out in front of you. I mean, we had in a 2.4 square mile radius where I was first assigned, we had 35 open air drug markets, um, shootings every night. Uh, it was a it was in the middle of the crack war. So it was really a crazy time in America. But we were the murder capital of the United States. So we were uh, really in the middle of, of of a lot of violence. How did you really maintain your sense of hope in the midst of it all? Well, I think being in the Word of God every day is what changes you and and protects you and gives you wisdom. The Holy Spirit leads you. You know, Scripture talks about being led by the Holy Spirit um, through His Word, Galatians 5.25. You know, keep in step with the Spirit, uh, it says. And so I think even while I was walking in and out of crack houses or I was um, in and out of bars uh, buying drugs or meeting with criminals or acting like I was a drug dealer, womanizer. I was undercover as a pimp for a while. I was undercover as a, um, as a uh, import export guy, as a, as a studio, I knew studios all over. So I lived this life where I acted as though I was absolutely opposite of our faith. And uh, so while you're doing that, you really need the spirit of God to protect you and keep you keep you um, away from the real the reality that's right there in front of you and so accessible to you. Dale Sutherland here on this edition of The Intersection. 
You can find him online at theundercoverpastor.com. The Code 3 website is code3.org. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info. You can also reach that homepage through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through that menu, as well as the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can find a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through which you can watch video of Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on X or Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can access it through the programming menu from the homepage at faithradio.org. Conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Look for Faith Radio Podcast at Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Marion Jordan Ellis, Director of Women's Ministry at Mission City Church in San Antonio, Texas, was a guest recently on the Meeting House program. She is also the host of the This Redeemed Life podcast. In our conversation, she shared about the concept of the book called Garden to Garden, Through the Bible from Eden to Eternal Paradise, and related some of the principles that she covers in it. Now from that conversation, here is Marion Jordan Ellis. Tell me maybe one or two of the main points that you desire for readers to actually, as we might say, reflect on out of the the story of the Garden of Eden. You know, the first thing that springs to my mind is just the goodness of God and the God who creates such beautiful and good things and created us to enjoy those things, but also that in experiencing him, we experience goodness and understanding that the world that we live in is not um, as it should be. Uh, a phrase I use often is shalom has been shattered. And now shalom is, once again, that, that Hebrew word that means wholeness. It means peace. It means uh, the state of existence that God created us for. And as we've talked about often, and, and some of us can repeat it, wrote, yes, sin and end of the world fall, but we haven't really contemplated what we lost living in the presence of God, but and then in the goodness of God, He doesn't leave us there. In the in the very first pages of the Bible, we get the promise of the Redeemer. And one thing I unpack in Garden to Garden is from Genesis three all the way through the entire Bible until Revelation. We see this promise of the seed of the woman. This is the promise in Genesis three fifteen that a Redeemer, who will be a human, will come, and that redeemer will crush the head of the serpent and we Hmm. see how this unfolds every day of this devotional we see how this promised seed who is jesus christ is promised prophesied comes into the world and does exactly what god said in the garden of eden that he would do and this topic area it's something that i really enjoy talking about because it really does tie the bible together because there are some that say well you know there was the old testament and that was then 
this is now we're in the New Testament, but when you look at it as one complete, I guess as they say in the entertainment business, as one story arc all the way from the garden and the fall, immediately upon the fall of Adam and Eve, there's that passage in Genesis or that verse in Genesis chapter three that points to the Redeemer. And throughout the Old Testament, as you mentioned, you're seeing these these mentions. You you see God expressing his love. You also see God expressing his disappointment and grief for the separation with his people. But he's continuing to reach out, continuing to reach out all the way through the pages of the Old Testament. And then we see, of course, that fulfilled through Jesus coming to earth, dying on the cross and actually being raised from the dead. So so tell me how that, as you see it, how that story from the Garden of Eden all the way through the life of Jesus and his resurrection, how that really speaks to us about God's great love for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about what you said, how people see, some people think Old Testament and New Testament aren't connected. Well, The day Jesus rose from the grave, you know, he walks along the road to Emmaus and he he comes upon his disciples there who are questioning how Jesus' death, questioning how this could have happened. And he comes along and with them teaches them from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament how all the things written were concerning him. And those disciples said, our hearts were warmed within us as he taught us the scriptures. And so Mm. what I think relates to us today is that when we see this big story, how it's all connected, what it does for us is the same it did for those disciples on the road to Emmaus. It gives us hope. It gives us life. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is speaking to us and revealing to us that we are part of a grand story of God who is faithful to this word, who is making sure, watching over it to see that it's accomplished. And that in our darkest days, you know what we can do when we have that diagnosis, when we have um, the financial crisis, when our kids are in trouble, we can look to this story and understand our ultimate hope, understanding that our God wins, understanding the God who said, I will make all things new and wipe away every tear, that he has been so faithful into the past to keep his word, that he will be faithful in the future to do that as well. So understanding this big, big story changes how we walk through our own stories. Marion Jordan Ellis here on this edition of the Intersection podcast. You can find her online at thisredeemedlife.org. Well, finally, on this edition of the Intersection podcast, it's Penny Young Nance. She serves as CEO and president of Concerned Women for America. In a recent Meeting House conversation, she related comments about trends in the pro-life movement and highlighted initiatives in which the organization is involved. From that Meeting House conversation, here now is Penny Young Nance. At Concern Women for America, we're working on a number of issues, but one that's really important that I'd love for your listeners to know about is something that we call life.gov. We discovered when we were trying to find resources for people, for their churches and for young women who are struggling, that it's very difficult to find out all the resources that are available to someone. 
you have to go to several different websites. You have to really put a lot of time in to pull together and let people know what's available for them. We know that, that the U.S. spends a trillion dollars a year on social services. We know that there's millions of dollars spent by churches and private entities and donors to protect young women and to protect their babies. Um, but it's difficult to know where all that is. So we came up with the idea and are working with Marco Rubio in the Senate and then Diana Harshberger in the House of Representatives. She's a congresswoman from Tennessee to get together a piece of legislation that requires HHS to put in one place online where a young woman who is struggling with uh, the decision for life feels unsupported can put in her zip code and find out all the services that are available to her, public and private, uh, whether it's legal help or health care or educational support or housing or adoption or foster care, all the things she needs should be in one place by her city, by her state, by her zip code, so she can see all the resources around her and hopefully make the right decision and choose life. And so we are, we're going to work on that piece of legislation. We've been working on it in the states. Um, Christy Nome in uh, South Dakota already made an executive order for their state. So we believe there's just plenty of opportunity. It's just a very no-nonsense, common-sense approach to helping women choose life. We want abortion to not just be uh, prohibited. We want it to be unthinkable. We want mm. people to understand there's other options. And I truly, truly believe, Bob, that in a very short amount of time, the science is so real and so pervasive on life and on fetal development that I believe one day that the abortion movement will be like eugenics. We'll look back on that and see what how inhumane that it really is. And I look forward to that day, and we are working towards that day. And you have those in political office who are basically supporting the taking of unborn life in all nine months of pregnancy and in some cases even beyond and branding those of us who are pro-life as being extremists. It seems to me that that is a message that, you know, and, and I realize that the just the volume of messages that are carrying this out is some, you know, as if abortion is some kind of noble thing and it's something that right. protects oh, right. women. Really? Well, right. That, <laughs> that is not the Hollywood, but that message is being drowned out. Unfortunately, the, the pro-life message called, you know, Anne Hathaway. I have a quote from her in which she said, Abortion's mercy, abortion is love. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had it with hmm. vapid, thoughtless, false narratives by the left. And so I have, Bob, been very careful over the years. I've been uh, the president of CWA since 2010, and I never have allowed the victims' pictures at our events. I've been very careful because. I want children at our events, and also I don't want to um, re-traumatize women who are recovering from abortion. We want them to come. There's, you know, there's room at the cross for everybody, and we do not shame them. We love them, and we bring them into our movement, and there are leaders within my movement who have suffered an abortion and would give anything to be able to go back in time and one of the things they do is they help other women understand and help them find other alternatives. 
But I am so sick of the false narrative that we created a video on our website called The Reality of Abortion. It's under our resources. And we go through it. We just put the pictures out. And not everyone should see them. There's all kinds of warnings ahead of time. We don't ever want anybody to be surprised. But if you are pro-choice, if you advocate for abortion, you need to know what it is you're advocating for. And if you can look at those pictures and still believe that you're right, then, you know, God help you. But you should at least be willing to take a look. Penny Young Nance here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find out more through concernedwomen.org. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through the Meeting House homepage at meetinghouseonline.info. You can also access it through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection, as well as the Meeting House radio program. There's also a link to the Media Center through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Also through the Meeting House homepage, there are links to The Intersection podcast. You can also find a link through which you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts. Plus, you can watch video of Meeting House guests on the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link provided from that homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. There's also The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on X or Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can access it through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.